Next readings from Isaiah chapter 43, 1 to 5, and that's on page 728 in the Bibles if you need it. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. I will give men in exchange for you, and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. Thanks, Robin. So, we're looking at Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 5 this morning. And since the beginning of time, our God has looked to keep a witness to his name and his honour. In the Old Testament age, God's main witness was Israel, and in his New Testament age, his witness is the church, which is us. So although this passage is written to the nation of Israel, it reveals to us the character of God, and his character determines how he treats anyone who responds to him, whether nations or Christians. In other words, we can trust that our God is a God of grace. He knows each one of us, is involved in our lives, is with us in trouble, and even when we have ignored him, he holds out his love to us. And as I've said in other talks, God doesn't necessarily take away our problems and troubles, but he is with us through them. That's why he says in verses 1 and 2, when you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God also tells Israel he's called them by name. He also calls us by name. When we had our dog Lily, I would walk her in the woods and she would simply disappear into the distance. And if I wanted her to come back at the start of the walk, there'd be a gentle, Lil, nothing. The second call would be fairly gentle, though perhaps a little bit tinged with irritation. Lily! And the third call would be, Lily! And after that, which I won't do, it would be a very frustrated bellow. She would eventually return with her tongue hanging out, covered in mud, and ready for more. But once she was safely back under my care, I could never stay angry for long. And isn't that like a little like our Heavenly Father? Only he is slow to get angry, and so patient and understanding with us when we ignore him calling our name. I was very fortunate to have a wonderful earthly father, and I knew he loved me dearly. He was a wise, gentle, and loving man, and he knew God as his father. 
Um, so I can relate very easily to God as my father. However, for some people, it's very hard to grasp God as a loving Heavenly Father because they've had a harsh, unloving Father or even an absent one. So for those who do struggle with knowing God as a good and loving Father, I thought we could look at some people in the Bible who heard God speak their name when they were in a lonely, desperate place or walking through trials of difficulty. So let's look at how God spoke to them. I need two assistants. Or three? Perhaps not. (laughs) Or four? Okay. Come here, you glamorous two people. Pick a card. Not that one. (laughs) Not that one. That's the one. What does it say on your card, beautiful assistant? Handsome assistant. Adam. Say that again. Adam. Okay. You can keep that, you lucky boy. Um, so the first person is Adam. Although God didn't actually use Adam's name in the garden, in a sense he didn't have to because Adam was the only man in the garden, he called, where are you? Adam was in hiding because he knew he'd done wrong and disobeyed God. And we all live with with the consequences of Adam's choice. But how did God call him? God already knew what Adam had done. I think it's a wonderful example of God's grace. He allows Adam to tell him rather than accusing him straight away. Pick a card. Any card. Not that one. That's the one. Elijah. Elijah. So the second person is Elijah. The river of difficulty and the fire Elijah was going through was fear and loss of faith in God. In 1 Kings 19, we read that Elijah was running for his life from Jezebel, who wanted to kill him. He felt burnt out, alone, and was suicidal. He says to God, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I know better than my ancestors. Don't you love Elijah's honesty here? We can be totally honest with God as well. Elijah lies down and falls asleep and is woken by an angel who provides him with food and drink to sustain him for the journey ahead. He travels to Mount Horeb and when he gets there, God speaks to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? God understands when we feel burnt out and are at rock bottom. He not only provided for Elijah, he also revealed his power. Elijah had lost his faith in God's power and because of that was running scared. God, in his grace and mercy, reveals his power again to Elijah. First in a powerful wind, then in an earthquake followed by fire, And finally, a still, small voice. To me, it's as though God needed to shake him up a bit and then soothe him. So Elijah leaves Mount Horeb, re-established and ready to pass on his mantle to Elisha. You know, what struck me from this is our leaders need encouragement. They need to be thanked. Thanks, Laurie. And that's not a joke. You do an awful lot for us. 
We need to thank people. The third person... No. Nope. Yes, good boy. Do you think you can read that? I don't... No, okay. Shall I ask Josh to read it? Zacchaeus. Say it again. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and was wealthy, but he would have been unpopular. He was also short in stature and wanted to see Jesus, so his solution was to climb a tree. He probably thought no one knew or noticed he was even there, but imagine his shock and embarrassment when Jesus looked up and told him he was coming to his house for tea. I wonder how, sort of set me thinking, I wonder how Zacchaeus felt. Did he suffer from from low self-worth? Maybe. But what does Jesus do? He affirms him in saying, I'm coming to your house for tea. And he builds up his self-worth. And the fourth and final person is... Mary. Mary. And this is what got me going on this this talk. I find it such a moving one. This is the account from John's Gospel of Mary going to the tomb of Jesus and finding it empty. Imagine for a minute how she must have felt. The river of disappointment and the confusion, the fire of grief. It's crushing. It's really, it's crushing. She's crying so hard. But when Jesus appears to her, she doesn't recognize him and thinks he's the gardener. And what does he say? He simply says her name, Mary. And then it's like an explosion of color. The clouds of hopelessness part and move, and heaven touches earth. The heaviness of grief lifts, and purpose is restored. It's wonderful. So I wonder who you identify with this morning. Is there something going on in your life that's making you want to hide from God like Adam did? If there is, bring it to the Lord this morning. God has provided a way back. We're reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus. He died for each one of us to open the way between us and God. Do you feel afraid of something and it's holding you back from whatever God has called you to do? Are you in a dark and lonely place like Elijah? Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one to turn to for help. Maybe you're suffering on the inside with a low self sense of worth, like Zacchaeus. You know, everyone is significant to God, and everyone has a part to play in the body of Christ. I want to share something that happened to me after the last talk I did. I want you to know that while I enjoy doing talks, um, I struggle with confidence. And I always go home thinking, I wish I hadn't said that, or I wish I'd mentioned that. And I'm learning to just trust that God's on my case and it's in his hands. It's not about me, it's about him. Anyway, after the last talk, I went home, put it behind me. And approximately two days later, a letter arrived from someone thanking me for the talk and saying it had really helped them. This person was apologising for sending the letter. 
But it proved to me that everyone has a part to play. Nothing is too trivial or unimportant. And I'm so grateful that they took the time to encourage me. I think um, Margaret was saying on, uh, well, on Wednesday, even the big toe plays a big part in our body. So, like Mary, have you come here this morning with a sad, heavy heart, feeling confusion and hurting on the inside? I pray that you would hear afresh the reassurance of Jesus speaking your name, breathing life and hope back into you. The opening command in this passage is, fear not. We all face fear in our lives. It's a normal emotion, but not one God wants us to dwell on, which is why we are told constantly through the word of God, do not fear. Fear can rule and ruin our lives, and it's an emotion the devil loves to use to box us in. But we serve a supernatural God. I don't know how exact this is, but I read that we are told not to fear 365 times in the Bible, which is a fear not for each day of the year. Now, whether that's correct or not, it's obvious that God doesn't want us to fear, but to look to him with faith and trust. I think we can all answer that with the fact that we are a work in process. However, if you are going through a valley of fear today, please ask someone to pray with you. We're all here to support each other. In verse 2, how are the peppermints, by the way? Oh, is it? Oh, dear. That's worrying. In verse 2, we read of God saying, when we go through the waters, I will be with you. Sometimes... God leads us into deep water and it can feel uncomfortable because we feel out of our depth. But that's just the time when we need to go with the flow of wherever God's spirit is leading us. Or he might take us into the water to cleanse and restore us. And that can be painful. But when that happens, we need to remember that God is working all things together for our good. Fire. The refiner's fire. The Old Testament prophet Malachi likens God to a silversmith and writes, for he will be like a refiner's fire. And there are times in our lives when we will be tested and refined through troubles. But just like the silversmith works the process of creating silver with just the right temperature of heat to bring the dross to the surface, so our Heavenly Father uses trials to expose the flaws of our character so that his character in us becomes clearer and we reflect more of him to those around us. So if you're going through fire at the moment, take heart. God is in control and he knows how to sustain you. In 2014, I was very involved in supporting one of my brother-in-laws as one of my sisters was dying. It was a very hard time for me, 
and I felt emotionally battered as well as feeling exhausted from it all. I had a call from him, I was back home, I had a call from him to say that she was going downhill fast and yet again he needed support. So as I sat up in bed praying about the day ahead, I was feeling so alone and so tired and just wanting it to come to an end. And I picked up the booklet called The Word for Today. The first page I opened to simply said, You're not alone, God. I've kept this. And that was what sustained me through going down to take care of her. You know, um, oh, where is it? I've got another card. Yes. Josh, do you know what that says? Emmanuel. Yeah. Do you know what that means? Okay, can you take that card and go and ask Mummy to find that verse in the Bible and then you can come and read it to us. Okay. So, I'll just go back while uh, they have a look for that verse. Are you in a fire? Are you in water? God works all things together for good. Okay, so, Josh, what was the name again? Emmanuel. Right, can you read the verse out? The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Yeah, thank you. Brilliant. Okay, so I knew God, Emmanuel, was with me. And the final verse, final verses we're looking at today talk about how precious Israel is to the Lord and still is. But we are also precious to him. And he loves us passionately, so trust him with whatever you're facing. I can't remember where I came across this, but we all know how hard life can be, and many of us carry things hidden in our hearts. But we need to remember, in happy moments, praise God. Difficult moments, seek God. Quiet moments, worship God. Painful moments, Trust God. Every moment, thank God.